Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from inside XL Energy Center where the Wild have won four in a row under John Hines. They have won eight of 11 under John Hines overall heading into tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Our next live show is January 16th. I don't know every time why uh, January comes, I always call it July for some bizarre reason. This month might feel like July. Cause it's uh it's uh doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like, like Christmas season, does it? No, it doesn't feel. And apparently, we're getting a really uh, abnormally warm uh, winter. Like uh, my first winter in Minnesota, and I think it was '06, so '05 '06 was my first year here. Remember that was it was so warm in January. I think they canceled the pond hockey, if I remember. Um, there was one year that that happened because, although that would have been after '05 '06, but okay. we had one year where. They were worried it was going to be too warm, or hockey day was supposed to be out on Lake Minnetonka. We had to move it inside Minnetonka right. Arena because it was too warm. Another year it rained when we were up in Hermantown, but that they did end up getting a, a temperature drop the night before, so it got cold enough where they could reflood the rink. And shortly thereafter, it became required that they just had refrigeration systems for these ice rinks. But so there have been a few, but I don't remember. I don't remember the last time that at Christmas time it was like this, where not only was there no snow, but we really even hadn't had snow. Yeah. We've had years where it snowed, then melted, but this year it's it's unbelievable. We haven't even had to take the shovels out. Brandon Duham just told me that his mom's been here for three weeks, brought his dogs up, the Huskies, because he she wanted him to see snow. Uh, not seeing snow. Uh, they might be here and never see snow again. Uh, isn't it comparative? You know, to last year, it's just crazy. Um, last year, the snow banks were as high as they've yeah, been on my driveway. It's crazy. Um, so January uh, 16th at 7 p.m. at Tuttle's is our next live show. And, of course, we'll always have our Grain Belt specials there as well. Um, and thanks to Tuttle's for always sponsoring our podcast. And speaking of sponsors, we have a new sponsor of the show, Huxley Optical. Uh, they have two stores in Roseville and Wyzetta, HuxleyOptical.com. Um, you could also go on there, do uh, book appointments and, uh, and, and shop. You can get the Brock Faber collection on there as well. They got tons of awesome frames, uh, from the Faber collection, not only his, uh, him, but his, uh, sister page has, uh, some designs as well. And again, uh, part of those proceeds go to the Hendrickson foundation. So really good cause and a really awesome company. I'm really excited that Huxley optical, uh, will be, uh, a sponsor of our show is everybody that knows me and knows what I look like. They know that I, I, uh, I like opticals. <laughs> I feel disappointed. I just, I just within the last year got new glasses for the first time. And I don't know how long it was after the cork to the eye incident where I realized, yeah. you know what? I should probably get a pair of glasses just in case I can't get a contact lens in one eye. Yeah. Do they, they should have a cork in the eye collection. Like they a should. Lepantic I, cork in the eye. Well, collection. I told you that it, it, actually, it actually made my vision better. When I, the, my vision was blurry with my contacts, like, I don't know, maybe six, seven months after that incident, went to the eye doctor and I said, I, I think I got to get my prescription fixed. And as he's doing the test, he says, did you have some kind of trauma in your eye? And I hadn't told him the story. And I said, well, yeah, why? And he said, because your vision is better. <laughs> and and I, he said, I'm, so when I told him the story, he said, okay, well, I wouldn't recommend that. But he said, when you get a jar, like something that jars your eye, like yours did, it affects the nerves. And he said, sometimes it just jars them back toward perfection. That's so crazy. mine actually got better. I had to get a different prescription in that eye that made it so that I could see better. And it was because my eye was too good. Like we like like you needed something else to make you more perfect, Anthony. Not more perfect. My eyes and my vision <laughs> is about as far from perfect. If I take yeah. my contact lenses out and don't know where my glasses are, I'll never find them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, recently I just bought new glasses because I couldn't find my glasses anywhere in my house. And of course, then after I buy the glasses, then I found found the glasses. So now I have multiple frames. But hopefully, I can get some from Huxley Optical, and we'll tell you more about Huxley Optical. <laughs> Uh, I did later just in the acquire show. a new pair of sunglasses recently, courtesy of our the Wild general manager, because at a summer event this year, he stepped on mine and broke them, <laughs> and he promised me he'd replace them, and at a recent Wild practice, he came over and, true to his word, handed me a pair That's of sunglasses. Awesome. So. That reminds me of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode when uh, Larry went in for a hug and broke the other guy's glasses, and the other guy made him pay for it and everything. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the later seasons. Um, all right, let's talk about the wild. Actually, you know what? I, I'm a little, a little exhausted. I got back at 2 a.m. from Vegas last night, Anthony. 
Um, uh, we're supposed to get back at twelve something, but uh, but I think right at midnight. Wait a minute, to get back. You got home from two. I had to make, in our family, had to make three trips to the airport last night with people coming in for Christmas. Why don't you coordinate it where they come together at the same time? Well, I'm not in charge of their flights. All they have to do is text each other and say, hey, Gianni, what time are you landing? Hey, AJ, what time are you landing? Well, and then you try to do it all together. It, That's what normal human beings do. Yep. So I was in charge of one of the flights, and mm -hmm. I booked it a long time ago to get Vinny home from Vegas, I might add. So he was flying from Vegas, and shortly thereafter, he decided to bring his girlfriend along. Well, he booked her flight. It was a different flight. So she was coming in two and a half hours later than him. AJ and his girlfriend were coming from Denver, and they were two hours later than, than Vinny's girlfriend. So between 720... And 11.40, there were three different flights that had I should have made you come back coming. and get me. Well, and they, But you were coming from Vegas. Why didn't you just bring them all to Shoreview with you? It would I, have been perfect. Yeah, I had no idea that Vinny was in Vegas. That would well, been he, he lives an hour and a half, two hours from Vegas, so oh, okay. that's the easiest way to fly home is to drive to Vegas. And But the fact that you were coming from the same place, the fact that you landed within a couple hours of everybody, you could have probably Somebody helped Somebody should have told me. They could have just waited at the airport for hours upon hours. Um, so uh, I went to the World Poker Tour. Uh, they had at, at the win. They had, you know, the way these uh, tours work, they have like, you know, probably 40 different types of events. Um, but I was there for the end of the World Poker Championship, which I think the final table is today. That's a $40 million purse. But then I was there on TV set last night um, and yesterday during the day of the, uh, the what's called the, the big one. It's basically a $1 million buy-in. And I think it was like 17 people. And I was got to watch the final table, watched Makita from Belarus win uh, $7 million. A guy named Mario from Austria. A, a guy was a, he looks like he's 22 years old, Anthony. He uh, was a professional soccer player, essentially retired, took up poker, and within one year was at this spot. Um, got to watch a bunch of poker legends playing the, one of the senior events. Got to watch a guy from Brazil win a million one. Um, it was just, it really, it really was fascinating to get, get a credential, see the behind the scenes of how they put this together. Because I think all of us love poker. We watch these events on TV and it was just cool to see how they do a broadcast. Buying for a million to win 7 million. That, that so seems it, there like was only, a... there was only 13 or four, like there was the entrance for that because it was a million dollar buy-in. It wasn't like, like the world championship, the one that's a $40 million purse. Um, that had 3,835 entries, I think, um, this had 13 or, yeah. you know, something like that. So. I'd, all I remember was with poker is watching you get beat by AJ when he didn't even know what he had in his hand. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I almost made, I almost made Brandon edit. Still and pissed every time you mention that it stresses me out. I, I'm, I know. I still remember it because it was, and we had just sat down. It was like the second yeah. hand of the day or third yeah. hand, and it was, and you were the first one out. Because AJ bet on what he had the previous hand. No, that's that's what pissed me off. He thought he had like a jack deuce, and he had something that caught him a straight. And we were honest and told him he had a straight. And I and I have a pretty good read on AJ because he's so aloof. I think playing poker. And I'm like, no wonder I couldn't read you. You didn't know the cards that you had. Yeah, he thought like I he, put him on a jack deuce. Basically, he, he thought he was betting on what he had the previous hand. Yeah. He forgot what his hand was this yeah. time and, and catches a straight yeah. when he had no right to be in the hand. Uh and there's God. more than one way to win at poker. Yeah. That was also when he like was deathly ill. Turned out he had what was it? He had strep throat and like, pneumonia like or something pneumonia like and that. And, yeah, and, and he had the solution and he was taking was, and he was taking bear to bear. try to get rid yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, this is your physics major son, right? It was a great. It was a great trip, and yeah. unfortunately, you just had to watch poker for a long time. Yeah. That was for a much smaller purse. Yeah. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks to Eric Lush from the World Poker Tour, who set me up with that credential, who coincidentally is from Cottage Grove, Minnesota. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about the Wild. Uh, coming off uh, one of the most electrifying victories that we've ever seen this team play, but especially this season. I mean, I, you know, the Ranger third-period comeback obviously was as good as it gets, but, la but the game in Boston, Anthony, the way that they played in the third period uh, on a second of a back-to-back -back against a team that had six regulation losses at home, um, all season long overall, um, and then to get rewarded by it, not just to say, all right, we worked our butt off and, you know, lucky to get a point or just didn't get it done in the end for them to actually, um, tie the game, take the lead, 
then deal with the emotions of giving up a late lead and then score in overtime. Uh, really, really cool. Yeah, I thought about it a little bit. It, I thought about it because when we were leaving Boston that night, it's a job for these guys and they're professionals and it's on to the next city and let's go. But there was a different buzz around the team that night as we got on the bus and got on the plane that there was just something a little different and it caught my attention, sat down in my seat on the plane and I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, this team's been through quite a bit this year with a coaching change, with a bunch of injuries and everything and a trip to Sweden, a lot of stuff. Some off-ice issues going off on. Off-ice issues for sure, and including the coach being fired and, and some turmoil. And there was a lot of stuff going against him in that game. Second of back-to-backs against a rested Boston team, a Boston team that just got all their guys back, a Boston team that over the last two years is 44-6-5 and five in that building, and the Wild go in, second of back-to-backs, playing without their top two defensemen and their leading scorer. And yet I thought from the drop of the puck, we're ready to play. And it was a, so for all of those reasons, the win was impressive. Then you look at the game itself and it was the, it was right up there with the most exciting regular season games that we've seen here in a while. And we're going to talk about a little bit on the pregame show before the Montreal game on Thursday night, where it's, when you look back at some of them, and there have been some great ones a couple of years ago. Remember all those late dramatic comebacks, the, the home opening night against Winnipeg, the, the Goligoski overtime winner on his thousandth game night. I mean, we've had some exciting games around here. Remember the two goals last minute in Pittsburgh to and, get to overtime. Right. And yeah, so there've been some Prosser scoring on hockey day when it was hosted in Elk River, Felino on a hockey day winner. There've been some unbelievable games and, and there were a lot of them two years ago when this team was scoring its way out of trouble so often. But this one had it from the start. It was a highly intense, very physical, high battle level, chances at both ends, great goaltending at both ends. It, the game just had everything and then had an unbelievable overtime. It had the overtime that the NHL had in mind when they put three-on-three three overtime. Yeah. And it was chance, 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 not just possession circle back out and you watch five minutes of three on three where you maybe get two scoring chances this was this was chance after chance both ways the goalies were terrific out of all the games the wild have played this year there were more five on five expected goals in that game than any game other than the loss in toronto earlier this season when minnesota lost seven four to the leafs so it was a game that just had everything and for all the reasons we talk about the win was impressive but I think because it was the way the game was played and the competitive level of the game from the start, it just made it feel like it was it was remarkable. And I sometimes you gauge whether or not your feelings on something were accurate by fan reaction. And I'm yesterday as I walked around town, went shopping, went to the grocery store, went to the gym, I bet I got stopped ten or twelve times by people saying, what a game last night. Yeah. What an unbelievable game last night. So I think the fans had the same reaction I did. Yeah, um, without a doubt. People are actually being nice to you on Twitter. Um, I've noticed a couple of really quality comments, uh, the opposite of what it used to be. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you, you know, and let's talk about Kaprizov. Uh, he was the big talker coming out of that game. Um, you know, this, this has been a, a guy that has been off all year. Um, and I think that game showed it. I mean, that was the first time all season that we have seen Kirill Kaprizov just dominate at times. And it started in the third period where he was silent for the first two, couldn't get shots through. Um, and then he gets six of his seven shots in the third period in overtime. And he just looked uh, like himself again and scored huge goals and was rewarded for his effort. You come out of that and you don't get a point, you don't get the goals. You know, you're still saying, all right, here's another game where he just did, wasn't able to finish when they needed him. And when you, as you mentioned, have your top two D out and your leading scorer in Zuccarello out, that's when you need, um, uh, when you're watching right. David Pasternak flirt with a hat trick all game, that's when you need Kaprizov to be Kaprizov, and man, he was. He was, and I thought he was good in Pittsburgh. He had a chance to tie the game on his stick twice mm -hmm. late, and but didn't finish either one of them. It reminded me and, of New Jersey. Remember, same thing with like 10 seconds left, he, he got that chance right. in Jersey. And I thought he, the eye test, 
said that he looked different in Pittsburgh. The numbers analytically weren't great. He was, they were, I thought they were better than the Crosby line all night. And the numbers said that, but only marginally. I think they were 54% expected goals for when he was on the ice or something like that. But we had talked to John Hines about him before the game in Boston. And because we were going to talk about him in the open to the show, Ryan Carter and I had talked about it. We both felt like he looked like a guy on the verge of a breakout. He, it just, the chances he was getting were starting to look more like the Kaprizov chances we had seen in previous years. And that proved to be true because he had chances in Boston and then he finished them. And it was interesting to listen to his comments after the game where he just said, you know, sometimes you're playing well, but you don't get the goals and therefore you think you're not playing well. But he said, when the puck goes in and you get the goals, now it feels like everything's great. And you could just, you could see the smile, the relief. One of the comments that Hines had made to us before the game was that, look, when you're a goal scorer and you're paid to score goals and you're sitting at Christmas time with eight, it wears on you and it weighs on you. And we could all feel it weighing on Kaprizov through body language. You Especially could, five on five. Right. I mean, you know, three even strength goals up until last game through 30 games. That's, that's beyond yeah. crazy. And that's why you, he's going to score. He's always going to score. And eventually the pucks are going to start to go in. I just thought like you could feel the relief. And as we've seen happen with Matt Boldy, once a puck goes in, all of a sudden, now you've got confidence to just keep playing. And and I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if we didn't see a little spurt here from Kaprizov where maybe we see 10 goals in the next 15 games or something like that. And Which would be something with Zuki out of the lineup because we know that Zuki's a lot of times the guy that sets him up. Um, amazing. Guy's been here, what, five years? Five technical seasons, two of them short. And he has a franchise record seven overtime goals he has 70 something like multi-point games uh it's his his numbers are just honestly unbelievable uh for somebody that has only been here for five seasons um let's talk a little bit about some of our sponsors here uh from the aquarius home services studio on location from xl energy center i mentioned um huxley optical they're our one of our newest sponsors and it's we all know it's the end of the year and huxley optical is here to help you get more from your hsa and fsa Flex spending accounts. Don't let your benefits go to waste. You can use your flex spending accounts for glasses, lens replacements, sunglasses, computer glasses, and more. Frame packages start at $149, including prescription lenses, and progressives starting at $299. Remember, Huxley is HSA okay, and your money goes a long way. Find out more today at HuxleyOptical.com. Again, they have stores in Roseville and Wyzetta. And I got to tell you, go to their website, check out the Brock Faber collection. Um, and a sister page. It's awesome. And again, uh, proceeds from that. Some of it goes to uh, goes to the Hendrickson Foundation, but they got sunglasses and blue light and wind down. Uh, so definitely check out the, the colors and the designs in Brock's hockey history and uh, and unique collection. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Feeling overwhelmed by a growing to-do list and shrinking schedule? Spending more time stressing over household repairs than enjoying life? You're not alone. Aquarius Home Services has your back. They are trusted local. Let us tackle your to-do list team. Aquarius Home Services is here to assist. Whether it's electrical work or plumbing giving you trouble, you choose the service. They will handle the fix and take $98 off the repair cost. That's right. For any plumbing or electrical repair, they're slashing $98 from the price. Watch your to-do list shrink while you reclaim your time. No more worrying about flickering lights or leaky pipes. Their dedicated professionals respect your home and your time. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. We were talking about Huxley Optical. Um, 
and the Brock Faber collection, Anthony, let's talk about Brock Faber. Holy crap. Guy's got three 30-minute games in his last four games, and it's not just the ice time. Uh, it, the way he's playing in these games, seemingly not getting exhausted, playing at a high level, and doing this with Brodeen and Spurgeon out of lineup, it, this is one special young guy. I think it, for sure he is. It's His game's gone to the next level. Over this stretch, he's played more minutes than anybody in the NHL by about a minute and a half, more than Noah Dobson with the Islanders is second on that list. But I think if you look at his numbers and then remember that he's a rookie, he's a guy who had played two games in the NHL, two regular season games prior to this season, and he's leading all rookie defensemen in time on ice. He's number one in plus minus. He's a plus 11 and playing heavy minutes against the other team's best most nights, leads the rookie defenseman and block shots. He's a big part of the penalty kill that's gotten better. He's creating shots. He's creating points. He's get, he's scoring. I just think he's been terrific. And he plays a such a level, steady game. His skating ability is, if you didn't have Jonas Bordin on your team, you'd be talking about how great a skater this guy is every night. I think it's been terrific. And he's, He's been the reason, probably as much as anybody, that he's been the reason the Wild have been able to withstand these injuries to Brodeen and Spurgeon. They've had Kaprizov scores a couple. They've had some other guys step up. But it's if you don't have Brock Faber doing what he's doing right now, I'm not sure how you win any of these games. Yeah, exactly. And and um, and John Hines talked about that today, especially his skating and how he's able to check with his feet. But I think sometimes when a coaching change happens, you 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 know you never know how it's going to affect players coach comes in and he doesn't know a lot about a certain player man oh man did it not take John Hines um a quick amount of time to get the same respect level that that Dean Evison had in Brock Faber um the other defenseman that I think is just playing unbelievably right now is Jake Middleton um you know he's been great defensively he's blocking shots he's stepping up in the play he's almost like a rover creating havoc offensively and he's logging impressive minutes as well he is and his skating ability has been a little bit surprising. I didn't notice it as much the last couple of years, and maybe I'm not sure why that is. Maybe he's just playing with a little more confidence right now this year, but we saw his game struggled a little bit early in the season when Spurgeon was out, and in fact, when he was paired with Faber, it didn't go too well when those two guys were together early in the year. They were only at about 40% when it came to high-danger chances for and for expected goals when they were together on the ice, but it's been a different story this time when they've been together, they've been terrific. And he, such a humble guy. He jokes about the fact, I mean, this guy who had seven goals in his NHL career, he's got five this year and he nearly had number six in Boston last night or two nights ago. I think his game has been really good. And when you start to look at uh, Ryan Carter and I were talking about this team and where they're headed right now. And we started to think about like, okay, well, what, what's their, what do, you, what do they hang their hat on? What's their, here's what defines Minnesota wild hockey. And, and I, first thing I landed on was, well, it's the defensive core. Put Brodine and Spurgeon healthy with the way Faber and Middleton are playing right now. And you've got as good a top four as there is maybe outside of Vegas. And I'm not sure you wouldn't put those guys up against anybody's top four, including the, the Golden Knights, who I think have the best decor in the NHL. and that's the numbers support it. I mean, for the entire season, this team has been one or two in five on five preventing chances against all season long. And it's because of those four guys. So assuming they can get them healthy, get Spurgeon back, which sounds like it's going to be soon, get Brodeen back, which sounds like it's not quite soon, but will be. Hopefully this isn't something that lingers then over the course of the year, get those two guys back. And I think that's the reason why this team has a chance. Um, uh, Gus has been outstanding, obviously was a little off in Pittsburgh the other day. I do think I, I know Gus, I've gotten to know Gus. Well, I know sometimes the way he could be, um, you know, mentally, I definitely think that, um, the chance of, of, we want flurry. We want flurry actually affected his game the other day. And he admitted yeah. after he just wasn't sharp. He made strange comments after the game that yeah. led you to believe his head might've been uh, in a altered. little bit of a goofy yeah. spot. And, and hopefully he gets it. Um, you know, again, I, I don't think that the average fan or media member without the context of this situation understands, one, that 
uh, John Hines has a way of doing his goalie rotations where everything's done essentially a month before, and it doesn't um, really alter a lot. Two, Marc-Andre Fleury has made it extremely clear to those that cover the team that he does not love playing in Pittsburgh. Didn't look at Pittsburgh as like he did going back to Montreal, um, where it could be his last game and wanted to, you know, experience that potential um, of what the fans would treat him like, the media, all that stuff. Um, he has always said that it's awkward for him going back to Pittsburgh and that he is somebody that his special day back in Pittsburgh will come well after he's retired, not during it. So I think that he was part of that decision. Um, and I, I just think that also we're all looking at a team that had been on fire with Gustafson in net. And if you go there, start flower, he gets shelled. Now everybody's blaming John Hines. Like, how the hell do you not play your best goalie? Um, when the team's on fire and you need points. Remember, they had that big game the game before, and then everybody north of them in the standings won as well. So they weren't gaining a lot of traction in the standings despite their ability to win, and I just think it was probably the right decision there. I don't think there's any question it was the right decision, and I'd play Gus against Montreal, and if assuming that everything goes normally, I'd play Gus against Boston in the next game before Christmas. If this team's going to go anywhere, Gus has to be the guy. And he has been the guy. Since Hines has taken over, he's been right up there with the best goaltenders in the league. And we saw this last year from about the same point. Like mid-November to the end, he was in the top two or three in the league in every key goaltending category. And it's right about the same time this year was the Sweden trip that seemed to turn his season around. And he's been really good since. The why I say you ride him and you play him as often as you can play him. Fleury's going to have to play one of the back-to-backs against Winnipeg at the end of December, and uh, Fleury was terrific in Boston. I yeah. thought he was outstanding. Absolutely. But keep playing Gus and, until and Fleury, uh, until you know, Gus hits a yeah. bump in the road. And and Fleury, he's given up what eight or nine goals since John took over in his three starts, but he was outstanding against Chicago. He was outstanding against Edmonton, and he was outstanding against Boston. Um, and these are not easy assignments when you're playing Edmonton and Boston on the second oh, back to back. What 40 shots in Edmonton and 43 in Boston. Yeah. And, and both, both of those were tough second back to back spots. Yeah. Let's uh, talk a little bit about flower though. You could just want, there are two, two things I want to talk about one Pittsburgh and one uh, Boston one. Let's start with the win in Pitts in Boston. You just see how much this guy is loved by that team. I mean, the way that they serenaded him after the game, the way that they, um, you know, again, in the locker room, uh, they gave him the Viking helmet and they just, they love this guy and they know that that was not an easy assignment. And he played out of his mind to keep them in that game. And then in Pittsburgh, he doesn't get the start, but he sneaks into the uh, penguins dressing room. I was just talking about it. Plays three practical jokes, one on Latang, one on Malkin, one on Crosby. The Crosby one was hilarious. Um, he did two different things to Crosby that I'll spell out of my insider on Tuesday, um, that are just um, really, really funny. He expects that Crosby will try to get him back when Pittsburgh comes to town later uh, this hockey season. Um, but the thing that he also made it very clear is that Brandon Duhame's got some some payback coming for him. Calling him 50 on the air on your telecast, um, he said not only is he thinking hard on what to do to, to Duhame, he's also going to take his time with this to just keep Duhame thinking, knowing that eventually he is going to pay a price. Yeah, it's... I, I go and back he to, said all this, by the way, to me alone in the locker room with the giant smile on his face. That yeah, and I'll, Mark I'll go back Fleury to how has. you started with just that how much the guys love him, and that's where all of this starts. He's and he's just such a high quality human. You talk to anybody, the guys that work around the rink, the traveling party, uh-huh. the trainers, the, they all just he treats everybody so well that it's hard not to love the guy, and the players love him, and he's handled becoming the backup here in Minnesota so well where it's it just goes about his business every day he looks the same whether he's playing not playing hasn't played for a week played every night for a week prepares the same way and just a fun loving guy that that loves being around the rink a guy that the game of hockey will miss when he's gone at the end of all our careers I think we're going to be excited that we were around this guy for three years and I think fans here in Minnesota when they look back and, and uh, when he's giving his Hall of Fame speech, look at him and say, you know what, that's pretty cool that that guy played in a wild uniform for as long as he did. It's it's just he's such a good guy. Um, and uh, and uh, this this note that I'll have in the Tuesday column is hilarious. Some of the things that he did to Crosby, uh, 
<laughs> while he was there. Um, but then also what he's thinking of doing to Dewey. Uh, poor Dewey. Um, all right, let's talk about um, what else do you want to talk about uh, before we get to Twitter questions? Well, got a big holiday week coming up. So the Feast of Seven Fish is taking place at, nice. at my house on the 22nd, which I'm excited about. And right now it's all. Is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only night that all of my kids will be together over the holiday season. They're all coming and going at different times. So we I hope they're all leaving night. at different times to make you just go back to the airport. Oh, they are. Times. They're all leaving on different days, though. So at least it's not like multiple <laughs> trips on the same day. But they're all home for different stretches of time. But we have one night where they're all together. So this will be the the annual Feast of Seven Fishes dinner, which I it's my favorite night of our holidays. We seven different kinds of fish. We all prep them together. They hit the table at the same time and. Plenty of vino as we sit around, kick back, tell stories, and a little different this year. It's the first year that all four are bringing a significant other to the Feast of Seven Fishes. So what started out as just six, because my brother's not a seafood guy, my mom's not a seafood eater, so when we did it, it was, we'll pick a night where it's just Margo and I and the four kids has now gone from six to ten for this year. So it's the first time that our only immediate family will be 10 people strong and Christmas Eve we got our annual kind of low-key build your own pizza night and then steak dinner on Christmas Day so I'm really excited about it I've got a few trips to grocery stores and liquor stores in me you bet you I you've been invited to join us but haven't yet committed RSVP yeah which you know don't worry about it it's not like there's any (laughs) shopping or anything that has to get done ahead of time when planning a meal I gotta get 10 Starbucks cards if I do this well, no, not 10. You'd only have to get eight. There's eight. And actually, someone will be gone. So you wouldn't have to, you know, you Don't wouldn't have need. To you no, know, you wouldn't need, you wouldn't need eight. And I think, I think, you know, you know what holidays are like at our house. We've had anything from our Feast of Seven Fishes dinner that we do before Christmas Eve every year, the old Island of Misfit Toys party that we did for years on Christmas Eve that's now evolved into the Build Your Own Pizza Night to our more formal dinner. It's, it's inclusive. It's, Hey, we want to celebrate with friends and family. And I just, I'm really excited about it. We just get so few times now with all of our kids together. And I can only imagine it gets, it'll get even more and more difficult as they start their own families. But I'm excited about this year's holiday season. And it, the nice part too, is the schedules helped us this year. It feels like the last, it feels like it's been six years since We've had this last week of games at home. Mm-hmm. It always feels like we're coming from the West Coast or the East mm-hmm. Coast on the 22nd or 23rd, and and then to have that 27th game at home instead of a a travel, which I yeah. know they, that, that typically Although the is, once the Wild once lost, I think it was to Montreal, like eight to one or eight nothing at home uh, the day after Christmas. That you know because the way it works in the NHL is you're not allowed to practice during those three days, so right. you are all these teams are like you, you know start tra- and you can't travel yeah. either. So, so the 27th yeah. is a fly to the city yeah. on the morning of I remember game. the Wild got their ass kicked at home, I think, against the Canadians, tonight's opponent. And Doug Rice was like, we are never playing that game at home again. And then that's why yeah. they went on the road. Well, above. but I, it, it kind of goes every other year, and it's always short travel. Like yeah. we, we've played in Winnipeg, I think, two or three times on this. This will be Detroit coming here. So they try to make it. As, and it might I, have been Chicago. That and they got and I like the – I love the NHL's philosophy to say – 24, 25, 26, no practice and no travel because it really makes for a chance to relax and kick back a little bit with your family over those three days. Because if you're traveling on the 26th, well, now Christmas night becomes, all right, got to get ready to go on the road the next day. It's just, I mean, it is hard even for the guys to get out of here. Like a lot of guys like to go home. Um, But, you know, it's like I was talking to Flower today and he tried to do that go to Montreal with Chicago, I think uh, a couple of years ago and he had major flight issues and snow yeah. and all that. So like most guys are just staying in and town. When you play on the 23rd, especially like a lot of years we were on the road on the yeah. 23rd. Well, you don't get home until yep. I remember one year we came from San Jose and I, we had played there. I'm pretty sure it was on the 23rd because we got home at like 5am on the, or 4am on the 24th. Yeah. And I know one year we came from New York where we played Actually, on the 23rd. Wasn't that last season, by the way? 
I think that they were in San Jose. Uh, I don't. I, it was last season or two seasons ago. It was recent, yeah. and I know one of the years we were in San Jose, but the last game was on the twenty second, yeah. so we at least had. The only reason why I remember that is I was thinking of staying and going to like Napa or something. Um, and yeah, but we we have. I know it's been a couple times there, and I know maybe three or four years ago we were in New York because I remember it was seventy degrees on like December twenty third, and I was running through Central Park before coming home mm. for Christmas. It, so anyway, that's that's what's uh, on the agenda, and hopefully Little you can join Panther. us for part of the Christmas season because it should be fun. Uh, let's uh, talk about Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagoshish. Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnebagoshish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. Here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Do more with Royal Credit Union's mobile app. The Royal Mobile app lets you receive real-time account alerts, deposit checks, send money to family and friends, pay bills, and more. It's quick and easy to manage your accounts from anywhere, and you can even log in with your fingerprint or face. Open your Royal Credit Union account and enjoy our top-rated mobile app. Learn how easy it is to get started with the Royal Credit Union mobile app at rcu.org slash gomobile. Insured by NCUA. Anthony, tell us about Twill in the Adina Galleria. Well, as you finish up your last-minute Christmas shopping, if you've got any guys in need of men's clothing, Twill's a great place to stop. I just swung in there the other day, picked up a great Peter Millar sweater that I'm excited about. I'm a quarter-zip sweater guy. My my taste tends to be a little bit myopic. Like I find something I like and I'll just have the same thing, but three different colors of it. This Peter Millar sweater I'm excited about. They've got a great array of colors in this same sweater. But if you got a guy on your list that's in need of any kind of casual sportswear, this is a great place to go. They've got the accessories as well. They got a great new college line that I think I maybe mentioned before where they've got a lot of the local schools where they've got jackets and bags that are decked out in your favorite school's colors. So check it out. It's Twill in the Galleria in Edina. And here's a word from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindahl Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chrislindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. All right, back here, worst seats in the house. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from XL Energy Center of the Wild. Play the Canadians uh, tonight. Next live show, January 16th at 7 p.m. at Tuttles. Uh, let's go to some Twitter questions. Anthony, uh, Clint asked, uh, or Clint just says it's Montreal Canadian Jersey night at X tonight. Um, it is always, like, Canadians fans do love to come to this game. Don't, they don't come here a lot, uh, so we'll get to see them. All right, um, Wild Boys fifty nine goes. Uh, do you think it uh, the Wild would trade one of Duhame or Maroon at the de- deadline? I think a lot of it's where they're at, right? I mean, you know, if they're in a playoff spot or think that they want to make the playoff spot, I think that they that's why they acquired Pat Maroon. That's why they like Brandon Duhame. 
Um, so to me, you only sell them if you're not in it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to sell anybody if they're in it. And I expect this wild team to be in it. I, I, I've said all along, I believe this is a playoff team. I thought they were the third best team in the division coming in. I still think they are. We were just having this conversation down the hallway. And it's almost identical to where we were last year, where we were saying, I still think they're the third best team in the division. And it was Winnipeg that was in about the same standing spot as they are right now. And it was our, how in the world can you look at it and say, you think they're better than Winnipeg? Winnipeg, the math tells you that because they've banked this many points, they're going to be tough to knock out of the playoffs. But if you remember last year, they had to win their last few games just to get in that final spot. They were in about this same spot last year. I don't see them and being Kyle a, Connors out a month. Yeah, and I, I just don't think they're that different from what they were a year ago. So I I don't know if Minnesota. I will. don't know. I mean, I, I the way that that that's you know Gabe Velarde's been playing, He's, and I he, follow. They're different teams. Yeah, they're, they they're, got Dubois off that team. Dubois sucked. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, even I mean, look, like LA has been great this year. Dubois has done nothing. I agree. I, I think they're. I don't disagree with any of that, but I'm just I just think there's some eerie similarities to. The Wild are sitting in about the same spot. They turned their season around last year in about mid-November. It's it's there are some similarities. So yeah. I think this team those two games against uh, Winnipeg will go a long. They'll way be huge. Game. And but then the other thing is that if you just look at the other teams that are on that playoff bubble, I think this Minnesota team is better than Arizona. They're better than St. Louis. They're better than Nashville. They're better than Seattle. Those are the teams that you're likely going to be battling for those final spots. Perfect uh, segue. Firearm of Mutiny asks, if you want, if you think the Wild are going to make the playoffs, Anthony, I think that he's talking to you, um, who would be out? Do you Arizona disagree? Do you, do, right now, you don't think this Wild team's a playoff team? Um, it's not that. I think I agree with you, what you're saying. I agree that they are better than the teams that you mentioned. But I also know the way hockey works is that not, you don't always get everything you want. We don't know injuries. We don't know if they're going to make points. I mean, if like you're talking Edmonton's about Edmonton's going to make the playoffs now, so we're really fighting for a spot. Um, and so you know, and to this person's point, you know, who's going to be out? Arizona, Nashville, or do you think someone higher up is going to collapse? Um, I don't disagree with you. Like I think that they're better than Arizona, Nashville, but those teams still find a way to get points. And well, they are. But the even with as bad as the Wild went through that stretch, mm-hmm. if you look at their 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 points percentage, they're a win tonight away from essentially being in the top eight yeah. already. Yeah. And there's a long way to go for this team to make up some ground. For certain, we're talking about assuming that there's not any catastrophic injury change for the Wild or for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, let's say Nashville loses their top center. I mean, that, that changes things there too, and that's just as likely to happen as Minnesota having injury trouble. So I'm saying that, like, barring any thing major unforeseen I think Minnesota finishes ahead of all those teams I just mentioned puts them in the playoffs puts them likely up against yeah. Dallas or Colorado again and, and in the, the, the early big round thing is and, the wild have to win those games right they haven't played Winnipeg yet um they uh haven't played Arizona yet and they have two at least two games maybe three against Nashville still to come um so you know those are games that you have to win Edmonton they play twice still yeah, and they, if you look at the schedules, of, and I haven't studied, no, one still, one still I haven't studied what the other teams have done, but I know that Minnesota's played fewer games in their home building than anybody in the league, so that is all going to even out by the time you're done. The, the Wild have already made some of their most difficult trips of the year. The Sweden trip, which throws everything into a ride before and after. They've already they've played the Rangers twice. They've played the Devils twice. They've played the Leafs twice. They've played the best of the East. They've already been to Boston now. They've played Florida. They, these are all the teams that you would have perceived to be the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't think any of these other Western bubble teams have already made all of those trips. So, you know, that's going to be a challenge for for the others. So I, I think Minnesota's a – I still think there's a playoff team, and so this circles all the way back to the beginning to say I just – can't imagine a scenario where they're selling any pieces at the deadline. Um, agitated Josh says, uh, what does the NHL need to do to get better and more consistent refs been making it difficult to watch hockey this season? Um, you know, one thing I, I did want to talk to you about Anthony is, is embellishments. Um, you know, the, the game in Edmonton, obviously Ryan Hartman takes a penalty that, that, you know, he probably shouldn't take, but you see Brodeen down on the ice. You're going to, your wires are going to cross. 
but clearly uh, Evander Kane dove. Refs um, compounded missing the Brodine being boarded with then calling just Hartman there and allow, and then Wild lose on a penalty kill goal there where, where basically that was the tie-breaking goal. Again in Pittsburgh the other night, Chris Letang has done this for a year. He, he did, has done this forever. He did the same thing to Yul Eriksson earlier in the game where he skated into him to draw a penalty. Here, he sees uh, Kaprizov skating into the zone. His stick is above waist high, and he goes right at him, skates into his stick, and dives. And the referee, Kendrick Nicholson, who I think is a really good ref, absolutely bit and calls it. What is Kaprizov supposed to do there? Kaprizov's skating with his back to him into the zone, oblivious that Latang is coming yeah. to draw this penalty, and the ref just, just, just calls it. And if you're going to continue to get, like, like Chris Latang has no motive at all to stop doing this because it's working. It's right. worked for years. And so, like, to me, the only way that this stops, Anthony, is if the next morning one Kendrick Nicholson wakes up to an email from the league with the video that says, this guy made you look like a fool last night. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think that, I think, that that video should be sent to every ref in the league and just said, look, this is what this guy does to insult your intelligence. Be weary of it. He's got to earn his penalties. Do not let him take advantage of this. Right. I, that, I agree with that. I've said for years that I think the way you eliminate diving is by calling embellishment only, which just, it's bizarre to me how seldom that happens. You'll see so many times where it's a trip and an embellishment. Well, that doesn't prevent the guy from diving. It all, so what? Now it's four on four. And if I don't get the embellishment, we get a power play. So you have nothing to lose. And I agree with the, the guys who do it a lot. And I know the league is really hesitant to say, like, we're going to evaluate this differently based on who the person is. Because there are guys that, should they be called for more penalties because they take a lot of penalties? Probably not. So should a guy get called for a dive because he dives more often? It's probably a similar argument. But I don't know. Like to me, I, I hate embellishing. And to me, if you're, you should not get the benefit of the doubt. If you are a serial diver, yeah. you're the Andrew Burroughs of the world, the Max Lapierre, whatever. The Dallas stars. Yeah. Anybody on the Dallas stars, anybody. Right. Mar Marchment might be the worst of the, Offenders. Yeah, and so Jamie Ben's right up there, yeah. and you know I'm a I love Jamie Ben's game, but holy cow, does he? Yeah, he goes down well, like remember a folding Esselund chair. Yeah, sometimes. remember Esselundell's dive like right. six, seven years ago? Well, so I think that that's to me the officiating this year. There have just been some strange misses more than anything else, and I think what's hurting the Wild is they now have a reputation of a team that takes a lot of penalties, and so when you have that rep. The benefit of the doubt doesn't go your way. I well, don't then know. Then you should they, have the same rep if I, you're a I diver. Agree. I agree, and yeah. so and I'm. I think that's a part of it because I think there are most of the time when you look at the calls that go against the Wild, and they're one of the most penalized teams in the league. We had a stat the other night. They've now gone 13 games in a row since they've had more power play chances than their opponent. They've had seven where they've given the other team more, and then six where they've been even over the last 13 games, which is a remarkable run yeah. to do a 13 games in a row without having more than your opponent. And when you go back and look at them, most of them are penalties and a lot of them aren't very smart, but the other team is committing some of the same and just not getting the, it's like they never miss one when a wild guy is. Yeah. Well, is that guilty. Vancouver home game is a great example. I mean, how much obstruction did the wild have to fight? A lot. Time? It was crazy. And, but you look at the, the, I think the two missed calls, like the other night, I thought they got the call exactly right to call Patrick Maroon for an instigator. I've been arguing that that should be an instigator 100% of the time. A guy delivers a hit, somebody else skates across the rink and beats him up. Should have been. But the hit on Johansson should have been a penalty. Yeah. Guy hit him up high, hit him. I, I looked to me like the initial point of contact was the chin and was a hit that should have been called. The Evander Kane hit on Brodeen was a penalty. There's no question. Now the follow-up is Hartman skates over and gets himself in trouble and gets a penalty. Well, maybe he doesn't do that if he knows that a penalty's coming on Kane's hit to yep, begin with. Exactly. Maybe Maroon doesn't do it if he knows a penalty's coming on the hit against Johansson. So I think there have just been some strange misses on the other side, and... The Wild have to, they have to change this rep, though. They have to clean things up. They've taken far too many penalties. I think it'll be interesting to watch to see how John Hines deals with it 
Dean talked till he was blue in the face about it. He finally sat Ryan Hartman one time last year to say, "We enough is enough. We cannot keep doing this." It seemed to get his attention. I don't know if we'll see Hines do the same thing, whether it be with actually taking a guy out of the lineup, taking away ice time within a game. Something has to change. You cannot yeah. win. And you look at the Boston game as an example. Minnesota's in a position to win the game, and Pittsburgh too. They they just keep handing that talented Penguin power play opportunities. Finally, Crosby scores the winner. They give Boston the power play with two and a half to go in Boston, and that's how they get the six-on-four goal. So there are just... They've got to clean it up. You you cannot continue to hand opportunities to these talented power plays and expect that you're going to dodge the bullet and win. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and you know, one issue though is that uh, with the Wild's roster situation, you know, there's not a lot of extra players that can just all of a sudden, you know, throw somebody in and, and take somebody out. It was probably an issue that Dean had as well. Um, Wild Boys uh, 59 asks, uh, do you think Dave Haxtell's job is in danger in Seattle missing if they miss the playoffs? The uh, only reason why he asks is because Dean's available. It makes a lot of sense that Dean would be somebody that, that Ron Francis would be interested in because they were teammates and I know are still very close. Um, you know, what, I don't what do you think, think Dave's I, job is in yeah. jeopardy. I think there's a, and I'm not connected at all to Seattle. I did have a, a long chat with Dave Haxtell the morning before the Wild or the evening the Wild played Seattle. And I have a ton of respect for him. I think there's enough realism there that they last know that last year was an overachievement. Yeah. And they also know this year they've been really hit by injuries yeah. and are still an organization that is in its infancy where they don't have the depth built up within that organization yet to withstand the kind of injuries they've dealt with. They lost a fourth line that was huge for them last year. They yeah. were one of the deeper teams in the league. I think they had 50 goals on their fourth line last season, and all, right. all those guys are gone. Andre Burakovsky was a huge loss for them. Schwartz. He, Schwartz, a huge loss for them. So they're, they, this is a team that I think will, the way they play, they play hard every night. They play with really good structure. Even when, when the Wild saw them, they had lost seven games in a row. They were like third in the league in shot differential during that stretch meaning that they were getting more opportunities than their opponent almost every night, just weren't getting breaks. They don't finish very easily. They don't finish. And I think, but for all those reasons, I don't, I think Dave Haxtell is for sure their coach when they start next year. And now next year, I think it'd be reasonable for them to have some higher expectations and to say, now we expect this team to be a contender. And I don't think Dave's looking at the team saying we're not a contender now, but I just, I'd be surprised and I'm not, I want to make it clear. I have zero connection to what's going on in Seattle. I've spent zero time reading into what's been said or what anybody's thinking about, but I just have a feeling like they've got a better hand, a better, maybe a longer leash for a coach than he might have in some other spots. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Um, Walter Norris goes, um, is it just me or is Middleton more dangerous off the wing than Marcus Johansson at this point? Um, in, all, in all seriousness, man, thank goodness Johansson scored the other night. Do you think this could get him going? Yeah. He did I, miss I mean, a, you, you could, know, I don't know. Later in that same game, he missed a gimme. He did, but he had, we're going to mention that a little bit in tonight's show. 24 games without a goal. And it was, as soon as he scored, it just felt, it looked different, more relaxed. Same with Kaprizov as he scored. I think we'll see a guy that I think his game's been okay. It hasn't been as bad as a guy that's gone 24 without a goal. He's playing in a different spot now, playing with Freddie Gaudreau that night, and it looks like he'll play with him again tonight. So I don't know if we'll see a guy take off and score like he did late last season when he was developed some magic quickly with Boldy and Erickson Eck, but I do think we'll see a guy who scores more frequently than once every 24. Uh, ben Hurdle asks, um... The talk has been about Kirill Kaprizov naming his price in a couple of years. Let's be real. Isn't Faber doing the same thing at this point? By far the team MVP, he says. Um, he is going to get a significant contract. I mean, if Jake Sanderson got eight times eight, uh, you know, I do think that Faber's looking at a unreal raise. I mean, now could they bridge him? The problem with bridging him is then if he really proves it, then you're really paying up. And the price of great defensemen are just going up. I mean, power, Deline, you know, it is just, skyrocketing, but Faber, Rossi, these guys are going to be up in a couple of years. They're going to get big deals. Yeah. 
and I, I don't know, there's, it's such a complex math equation to figure all that out with when Kaprizov comes up, what you want to do with Faber, when you want to start to commit the big dollars. Do you want to roll the dice on a bridge deal or do you want to try and lock them in? Billy's MO has been to try to lock these guys in and, and create some cost certainty, which we'll see if that follows through in this case. But I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of fun to watch this young group of wild players. Like, you're talking about a team. The last core of players, really good hockey players, guys like Coyle and Granlund and Niederreiter and Brodine and Spurgeon. And, and that you know, that core was, we watched those guys come up. And right now you're looking at a couple legitimate young stars in Matt Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, Marco Rossi, Brock Faber. I mean, that, I think you're looking at guys at a different level mm-hmm. than for sure what that last group was. The last group was a lot of, they were always guys I looked at as they'd be really good players on a great team, but none of them were going to be superstars. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a team here that you're talking about guys that have a chance to be legit superstars for a long time, and they're all young. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's exciting to think about when you watch these guys. Yeah, and and there are more coming. Like I can't wait to see Danell Yurov. I mean, uh, like we are looking at a player that I think is going to be a stud as well. Um, unfortunately, it looks like he's going to sign for another year, at least in the KHL. But we'll see. Uh, Jordan Duran asks any updates on the AGM search or the situation with Whitey. Um, right now, there is the way I understand it is there's not really an AGM search. I think they're they're uh, being careful with this and sort of uh, dealing with some other issues going on, and then we'll uh, start to look um, maybe when there's a bigger pool of people and that think that they can get by. Uh, right now, that's at least the update that I got over the weekend when somebody called me. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, if one guy comes out of the woodworks that Bill Guerin really has an affinity for and thinks would be a very talented person to add to the front office, that could obviously change. But right now, I think that they're going to hold their horses and not hire somebody immediately. A uh, situation with Whitey is status quo. He continues to not be in the office or around the team um, uh, there. A um, couple more questions. I saw one good one that a guy asked. Uh, he asked about the Excel spreadsheet that I use for games. Mm-hmm. And it was actually an interesting question. His question had something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of, I wondered if you manually entered that or if you had a some kind of auto-population deal. and it's funny he brings it up because my Christmas gift from AJ was to create a code for me. So he wrote a, a code that pulls data directly from the NHL's database and auto-populates it oh, for wow. me, so, which has been awesome. I, we just, Hopefully he's you know going with the, the code that is currently that he's looking at and not the previous code. That's right. From, the, <laughs> from, from last the, year yeah, or last like, game. Yeah. No, you know, it's, Jack it, 2 offsuit. And, yeah, you know, right. It's actually been great. So I just found it interesting that the guy asked the question because we just finished it. He and I spent a lot of time working on it. And when I say we're, we spent time working on it together, I was more just the layout of the of the sheet. But up until about three weeks ago, I would manually update that every single game. And there's still some elements that I have to manually update, but the actual team lineup charts that I print for each team now auto-populate. And it's been a, it's been really cool. It's been uh, probably behind the times on it, maybe something we could have done a long time ago. But uh, he and I talked about it a little bit this summer. And maybe is it part month- of the one reason why play by play guys try to do it manually? Is it it almost puts it into your brain? Yeah. Like, doesn't so, that make it harder? Actually, no, it doesn't. No. And uh, so the, but it's funny to bring that up because the first question. So I had asked AJ about it during the summer. We had talked about it a little bit and said I, I think that I could just that would save me probably two hours the first time we play a team and I'd say an hour or so each night mm-hmm. they're moving forward. And w- when he called me in early November and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I'd like to give you this for a Christmas gift, but I have one question. If I do this, is it going to make you worse at your job because you don't do it manually? Right. Just to your point. Yeah. And I said, no, no, no. I said, this is the, this is the menial part of it that it's it's just simply data entry. Mm -hmm. And it was to, I would create a formula for each player that would update their career stats. All I'd have to do is update what they had done so far this season. 
but I use the same layout for every team. And what this does now is it auto-populates those statistical lines and a little bit of the biographical info that I would put on my line charts each night. And without having to do that data entry, now I can spend my time just on the other notes, the graphics that I build for each show, instead of having to waste the time with that. I still go through and handwrite on my note cards every night the same information. And there is something to that, that when you write it down, then you remember it. When you look at it, you remember it. And this just saves me the actual, like, it doesn't, it doesn't catch my eye when I'm just typing in how many games this guy's played so far for the Canadians this year and how many goals and assists he has. I'm going to glance at that anyway. But it, at least it just makes it so I don't have to spend the time typing it up. And it allows me to spend more time on researching some of the other stuff that I'd have to do all the data entry first, then get into that researching. So it's probably saving me hour and a half to two hours of prep before each game. And especially on nights where it's like back-to-back games, where like when the Wild were going to Boston the other night, it would have been a handful to try to update the Wild stuff after the game in Pittsburgh, be getting on a plane so you're trying to get connected back to Wi-Fi to update what's going on in Boston, and then you have to wait till all the games are over so you can update the rankings and all that kind of Now I know that I can just plug this in, and in the morning or as soon as the last game is over that night, plug it in and bang, it updates it for me, and it's got all the league rankings and on the key stats that I use every night all done. So it's, it was an interesting question, interesting timing, because I'm about four yeah. games into using this new yeah. format. Somebody asked about Amazon, if they're getting into the TV game. Uh, they definitely are in Canada. I think that we're going to see Amazon uh, share the rights uh, potentially up in Canada at some point, maybe with Sportsnet. Um, uh, but I definitely think Amazon's getting into the streaming game. Um, well, they're in the NFL game already. And I know there have been some rumors lately that they've been talking about investments into our parent company, Sinclair and Diamond Sports and all of that to to try to get a, a piece of that. And I, I don't know exactly where that stands or how it's going to work, but it it sure sounds like that's the way things are headed or to some of these bigger streaming platforms. And I don't know exactly how it would fit with a local team, but it, it I know that their name was just, their name just surfaced as a potential investor. Uh, two more questions. Uh, Joe Weber asks, uh, how does Ryan Carter being between the benches change the way you interact during a broadcast? It makes it harder. I don't like it at all, to be honest with you. And it's, there's, there are a few occasions where it's interesting. And he happened to be between the benches for John Hines' first game with the Wild. And he said that he found that interesting because it allowed him to see a little bit about how the, the bench was interacting with him for game one. But it's hard. You, there's a lot of nonverbal communication between us when you're standing next to each other, signaling when it's he's got something he wants to say or just looking at each other so I know when he's done talking. And it's hard to do that when you're at two different levels. I like it better when it's the third guy on your team that's between the benches. There is some value to being down there, but I think it's really hard. And you don't see the game as well from down there. There's no question. So every once in a while, it's kind of nice to, he, he said, it's kind of nice you pick up a little bit more on the speed and the exactly how intense and physical a game is, but you get a better view from up yeah. top. Yeah, I remember when his uh, nose got in the way of Jonas Burdine's stick. Um, last question. Actually, look at this. This is funny. I wonder if this is a police officer. Uh, Hoga Mad Dog says, uh, Michael, I was in the vicinity when you came on that car accident in White Bear Lake two years ago around Christmas uh, where you comforted the elderly woman in the car wreck. Any thoughts looking back on that now? Do you ever hear back from the lady or the family? Actually, I never gave my name, uh, so I haven't heard back from the lady, but hopefully she's doing all right. Um, I don't think it was around Christmas because wasn't I coming to your house for a podcast and we were going to Europe that day? You were coming to my house. I don't remember what it was the summertime. I feel like it was the summertime. Um, but, uh, it might yeah. have been Christmas that you yeah. were coming to my house. I know you were on your way to, to our house, but when I think... Oh, I'm pretty sure we were going guys, to Europe. You know, sensitive was... and comforting, I think, yeah, like I know. Imagine somebody in a traumatic situation, the first face they see is me. Right, like somebody who had had too much coffee Don't worry. or maybe... Don't worry, I'll, I'll help. Right. Maybe somebody who had had too much coffee <laughs> yeah. or had a sore calf yeah. or something. But I don't know who this is. I don't know if this is a police officer or just actually somebody that just saw the incident, but... uh. But what was funny is that a White Bear Lake uh, police officer showed up, and I, I happens to be a longtime friend of mine. 
So I'm like, I am, I'm talking to this woman and trying to keep her calm in the, in the thing. And then all of a sudden I hear this cop go, did you do this Russo? <laughs> and I look up and it's my buddy. I'm like, no, I swear to God, I had nothing to do with it. I just witnessed it. Um, yeah, it was, it was scary. Um, all right. Uh, actually, here's the last question. Martman, you, both you and I know who, uh, sent this. Uh, when I listen to your podcast, why do I feel like when you, when the two of you have a difference of opinion, Anthony is always right. And then he goes, we can't both be wrong. Can we? Meaning that he agrees with me all the time. No, he's saying he agrees with me. No, he's saying, yeah, he's saying we can't both be wrong. Meaning that he agrees with me. So he's saying he and I can't be wrong. We're the both in this situation. I think you're I'm the, the both. No, you're not. In fact, I know this for a fact because I replied to that tweet saying you, you're an astute listener. I walked by him in the hallway on my way down here to do the show. And he said, I am an astute listener and you're exactly right. So oh, please give me a break. He did. Yeah, he just, I, I believe you, but I'm right. telling him to give me a break. <laughs> yeah. There's so, nothing about what Anthony says on here. That's ever right. Oh, man. Um, all right, that's 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 the pod. Um, <laughs> thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks Our to next, those astute listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, uh, January sixteenth uh, at Tuttle's seven p.m. is our next live show. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening uh, from the Aquarius Home Services Studio here on location at XL Energy Center, and definitely uh, really want to thank our newest sponsor, Huxley Optical. Again, Huxley Huxley H U X L E Y Optical dot com, where they got stores in Roseville. And Wyzetta, uh, Bosch Law Firm, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatment system, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning, Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagashish, Royal Credit Union, Twill and the Adina Galleria, and Chris Sundell Real Estate. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. All but the world won't forgive a winner. I almost made Brandon edit. <laughs>